And we are up to John chapter 13, uh, starting in verse 21 this morning. I'm going to read verse 21 through the end of the chapter. Uh, We're really going to focus kind of on the middle section, but I'll comment on the whole. Uh, So let's listen to God's word this morning, John 13, uh, 21 through verse 38. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought because Judas had the money bag. Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Judeans, so now also I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. The grass withers, the flower fades but the word of the Lord endures forever. Uh, I want to ask a very basic question this morning. What does God expect of us as a church? What are we supposed to be doing? And I want to propose a very basic answer from our text. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Uh, The new commandment found in verses 34 and 35 uh, of our text that Jesus gives his disciples in the upper room is really the distinguishing mark uh, of the Christian and the Christian community. Uh, One person says about the new commandment that it's simple enough for a toddler to understand and profound enough 
that the most mature believer will be embarrassed at how poorly he or she has mastered it. So here's a command this morning that we all need to hear and receive and grow into. And I want to look at uh, just two points this morning. So what is the new commandment? And then what are barriers to living out the new commandment? Uh, So what is the new commandment? Uh, Or maybe the question that first comes to mind is actually, how is this a new commandment? Uh, Because it's not new in the sense of being theologically innovative. Uh, Certainly the command to love one's neighbor was part of God's revelation to his people Israel. Uh, Jesus calls the command to love your neighbor as yourself, which can be found in Leviticus 19.18, one of the two great commandments upon which hang all the law and the prophets. Uh, And it's really not the first half that is new, love one another, as much as it's the second half that is new, as I have loved you. So what is new uh, is the the radical, earth-shaking events of Jesus' incarnation and cross. Uh, Or we could put it this way, the presence of the Son of God in the world puts love on display like it has never been on display before. Uh, It's the greatest love the world has ever seen. Last week, we saw how the exalted Messiah assumed the role of the despised servant and washed the feet of his disciples. Uh, In in Jesus' self-giving, in washing the disciples' feet in the cross, uh, Jesus is exemplifying what love looks like in a whole new way. Uh, And also what is new is this sense that we are empowered with new resources to love. So when when Jesus says in verse 34, uh, love one another just as I have loved you, uh, uh, he's not just talking about uh, display love like you've seen me display love. It also can have kind of a, a causative sense. Love one another because I have loved you, love one another out of the resources that you now have in my love for you. Uh, In other words, united to Jesus by faith, we can now love as the fruit of being connected to that divine love that exists between the Father and the Son and overflows to us in a whole new way. Uh, Another thing to note about the new commandment, though, and I want to kind of dig into this a little bit, is that Jesus says it is the way that people will know we are his disciples. So the new commandment has uh, evangelistic power. Uh, it, It is what one person calls the final apologetic. Love is the final apologetic. Whether a person is an atheist or an agnostic, or whatever they are, they know what love looks like, uh, and they know what a community of love looks like. Uh, And so when you look at verses 34 and 35 in the New Commandment, uh, notice the recurrence of love one another three times, really, uh, in this this short um, 
commandment and, and uh, you know, kind of passage. Three times in two verses, uh, Jesus says, love one another. Uh, he is emphasizing this mutually lived out love uh, that we have for one another. And he's saying this has testifying power and missionary force in the world. Uh, verse 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Or conversely, we could say no men, no people will know that you are my disciples if you do not have love for one another. Uh, so I really appreciate Francis Schaefer here in a little book called uh, The Mark of the Christian. And he says that Jesus is giving a right to the world. Uh, here's how Schaefer basically says it. He says, Jesus turns to the world and he says, I have something to say to you. Uh, world, on the basis of my authority, I am giving you a right. You may judge whether or not an individual is a Christian on the basis of the observable love that they show to other Christians. Uh, and Schaefer goes on to say that what that means is that when the world casts a judgment against the church for being unloving, we don't get to dismiss that. We don't get to just write it off and be like, oh, it's the world. They're so spiritually blind. They can't see anything. We actually have to get down on our knees and ask God whether or not what they are saying is true. Because it is possible that Jesus has given them the right to say it. Uh, so we're in a time right now when the world is asking uh, if the church is really a place where you can find disciples of Jesus who love one another. Uh, and we should be asking, do we really love each other uh, if we split up over politics and the pandemic and masks and meetings? Uh, do we really love each other if we don't care uh, about uh, minorities and migrants and the underprivileged, many of whom are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have Christian people in all of these groups. Uh, do we love each other if our love is only as deep as the first time that we are hurt or offended or disappointed or don't get something that we want? Uh, is Jesus giving the world the right to say uh, that many people uh, that are going to church are not really living like the disciples of Jesus. So let me clarify what Jesus and Schaefer are not saying. Um, they are not saying if our love fails for one another, that means we are not Christians. Uh, they are just saying that in those moments when our love fails, the world cannot see that we are Christians, that we are disciples of Jesus. So obviously there is no perfect love this side of heaven. Our love is going to fail in lots of ways, uh, a, a harsh word, um, you know, a failed commitment or whatever. 
But even in those cases when we fail one another, we actually can still love one another through repentance, through restoring uh, relationships, through renewing love. Uh, So if I could put it this way, we should love one another by not sinning against each other. uh, And we should also love one another when we sin against each other uh, through repentance and restoration and renewal. Uh, So Jesus' vision for the church is a gathering of people who model and experience and testify to the love of Christ by loving one another. Uh, So you you can't obey the new commandment, uh, obviously, uh, all by yourself. You you can't obey the new commandment if you're on a hillside somewhere all by yourself watching the sunrise or the sunset or, or whatever. A person who is not in relationships in a local church can't really obey this commandment as Jesus intends it. Uh, Because God has designed the body of Christ experienced in a local church as the primary place where we give and receive and display the love of Christ to one another and to the world. Uh, So that's the new commandment. Let me talk about two obstacles I think that we all have to obeying this new commandment. And really, on either side of this new commandment in the section that I read, uh, we, we have verses that I think uh, we, could, we could say show us the obstacles to observing the new commandment. Uh, and, and those two obstacles are betrayals and overconfidence. And so let me kind of tease this out a little bit. So the context of the new commandment is the night before the cross. And Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, and he has just announced in verse 21 uh, that one of the 12 will betray him. And the disciples are stunned by this announcement, and they're asking one another, they're asking the Lord, who is it? Uh, Like people today, they are shocked to discover uh, that they do not have a pure church. Uh, It was inconceivable to them that a betrayer existed inside their own little fellowship. Uh, And so before any of us ever said, how could someone we knew all this time behave like that, turn out like that, leave the faith like that, Jesus' own inner circle had that same experience. Uh, And the betrayal of leaders Uh, or the betrayal of friends in the Christian community, it's shocking and it's demoralizing. Uh, And I think it's safe to say that uh, probably everybody here this morning, we've either experienced it ourselves uh, or we know people whose faith has been wounded when uh, a spiritual leader fails or maybe not even leaders, just people that we thought were sincere exemplary exemplary Christians who end up uh, leaving or betraying the faith and God's people in some way. Uh, and this can really shake people's faith. Uh, sometimes people even depart from the faith altogether because of this. 
Calvin has a comment. Uh, Calvin has a quote where he says that the failure of one person inflicts a deadly wound on 200, extinguishing their faith. Whereas uh, the steadiness of 10 or 20 godly people hardly edifies anyone else. Uh, he, he's just trying to get at this idea that, you, you know, betrayal uh, is, is really deadly. And then he says, this is why when Christ was setting such a monstrosity before them, the betrayal of, Ju- of Judas, it was also necessary that he should stretch out his hand to his disciples. Uh, here he means giving them the new commandment lest they should fall backwards. And um, think about why the new commandment comes right after the news of Judas' shocking betrayal, right? When you're reading the passage, uh, we get this whole thing about Judas' betrayal, and then we get the new commandment. Why does the new commandment come right after the news of Judas' shocking betrayal? Well, how do most people deal with betrayal? Uh, When they have been hurt by relationships, they give up on relationships. Uh, When they are wounded or disappointed by someone in the local church, they give up on the local church. Uh, When people fail us and hurt us, we pull back, we withdraw, and that's certainly understandable and sometimes necessary. But Jesus, in the face of Judas' betrayal, actually calls the disciples to dig in to relationships. Uh, In the face of Judas' betrayal, he commands us, keep loving one another as I have loved you. Uh, Keep loving one another even in the face of discouragement even in the face of disappointment, even in the face of shock, hurt, and betrayal. Uh, The Lord is encouraging us to persevere, not be overly shaken when people fail, not to let that be a reason to give up on the new commandment, but a reason actually to work harder to fulfill it. Uh, So that first obstacle to, to obeying the new commandment is betrayal. Let's not be people who pull back, uh, but rather lean in. Uh, when when we are disappointed in others. But then the second uh, obstacle to obeying the new commandment, I think, is just overconfidence. And it's what we see in Peter in the last couple of verses of our passage. He is stuck on Jesus' words in verse 33, where I am going, you cannot come. Uh, Jesus tells Peter, hey, Peter, you, you can't follow me right now, but one day you will. And Peter responds in verse 37, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Uh, And all four Gospels record Peter making this declaration that he is willing to die for Jesus. Uh, Peter, you you get the impression here, Peter is a guy who's blind to his own weakness. Uh, It's one thing to make a courageous promise in the safety of the upper room Uh, It's another to be faithful to that promise in the court of the high priest. Uh, And in response to Peter's promise, Jesus makes his own sad promise uh, prediction. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Uh, But let's not miss what is going on in Peter's claim. I will lay down my life for you. Peter thinks he is already capable of the love 
described in verse 34. Peter thinks he's completely ready to love the same way that Jesus loves. He can already keep the new commandment to sacrificially lay down his life for someone else. Uh, And I, I wonder if we are more like Peter than we think, because we are like Peter every time uh, we make promises about what we will do for Jesus. Uh, Lord, I, I promise I'm, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to serve people more. Uh, I'm going to do this for you, Lord. I'm going to do that for you. And I think Jesus, like he says to Peter, uh, he says, really, will you do something for me? Uh, will you love and serve and lay down your life for me? Uh, or should we talk about how I love and serve and lay down my life for you. And uh, Dale Bruner makes the little comment, uh, who lays down whose life for whom is at the center of the Christian faith. Uh, And so here is the irony. We cannot keep the new commandment if we are thinking about all that we must do for Jesus. We can only keep the new commandment as we are thinking about all that the Lord has done for us. Uh, And we have to see Jesus laying down his life for us in our selfishness, in our pride, in our denials, and in our overconfidence. And only then can we understand what love is really like and start reflecting it to others. Okay, just a couple of final comments on this. Um, It just seems to me that this is a season when love for other Christians is failing. Uh, It's failing towards one another in our local fellowship. Uh, It's failing toward Christians who are not in our local fellowship. Uh, Maybe toward African-American Christians, Asian Christians, Christians who are in poverty or other countries, uh, you, you know, who are looking for a better life. It seems to me that many people have decided there are more important matters at hand than obeying the new commandment. Uh, We just have a chance. We we can't solve all the problems in the world. We can't. Uh, But we have the chance to make a community where the love of Christ is experienced by us and seen by people who look into it. Uh, So in in 2021, uh, let's really love one another, help one another, encourage one another, Forgive one another, pray for one another, build up one another, be patient with one another, uh, love one another as Jesus has loved us so that the world may know we are his disciples. Let's pray.